Hey, welcome back to the Ascent Church Podcast. We have a great episode for you, so let's get to it. Good morning and uh, welcome back to Ascent. Uh, we were hoping 2021 would get off to a, a little bit of a better start, but we started the first two weeks uh, totally online. Uh, but we're back now, and I believe that we're, we're starting on the right path as we go into this uh, new year. But even with a new year, uh, there, there are uh, just some things that are never probably going to be the same. Uh, 2020 changed some things permanently, uh, some things for the good and some things maybe not for so good that we're trying to get used to. And what I've heard a lot uh, over this course of the season is the new normal. A lot of people are talking about what's the new normal? How do we survive in the new normal? And uh, as we jump back into the Gospel of Mark, uh, we took a little bit of a break to talk about Christmas and some other things. But as we jump back into the Gospel of Mark, I thought it was kind of a great play on words for us to look at this idea of a new normal. Because Jesus comes and he institutes a new normal in the world. That there's a new way to live in light of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Uh, And I want to start with the end of the text that was just read by Patricia. She read it bloody well. Uh, (laughs) I love that accent. That makes everything better. You guys are back there trying to figure out my microphone. It's because I had it turned off. I can see those guys back there looking like, what are we doing? Yeah, it's Blake. I don't trust them when I'm singing. They say they're going to mute me. (laughs) But I always am very careful to make sure that I have my microphone off, which is probably a bad habit. Uh, But I've I've known Rick Hay to uh, forget to mute me while I sing, and that's just bad for everybody. Uh, So as, as we jump into this text... Uh, I just want to walk through it line by line, verse by verse, but I want to start at the end because uh, Mark chapter 9 verse 1 was a verse that really just exploded some things in my own head and some theology in my own head that uh, really changed a lot of the way that I grew up. It says this, Jesus is sitting there and he's talking to the people right in front of him, eye to eye, face to face, the people right there. And he says, then he said to them, truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God come in power. Let me tell you why that messed with me so much. Because I grew up with with this theology that the kingdom of God was somewhere that was far off and it was coming later. So when somebody said to me, you're going to see the kingdom of God come in power, my mind immediately went to when Jesus comes back the second time. Right, like the, the, the rapture. I don't know if you grew up in church as a little Baptist kid reading Left Behind or watching those movies. Uh, but I was always terrified growing up. I was going to come home one day and the rapture is going to happen and I missed it. Uh, which sounds funny to some of you, but to a kid, this was a real fear I had. I remember one time I came home and uh, my mom didn't tell me that our dog was going to the groomer. Uh, and so all my siblings were gone. My mom was gone. Even the dog was gone. <laughs> And I thought, oh my gosh, Zoe made the rapture and I didn't. <laughs> I was literally terrified that I'd missed the rapture and my little Yorkie had made it. So when I think of kingdom of God coming in power, this is where my mind goes. I think of heaven being as a place far off. And as a kid growing up, I thought the mission of the pastor, the mission of the church was to get people to sign up for a belief system so that when they died, they could go to the kingdom. But Jesus says, no, no, no. It's a little bit different than that because I'm not trying to get you to go to the kingdom. I'm bringing the kingdom with me right now on this side of eternity before you in AD zero die. 
this, this transforms things in my mind because that would then tell me that the kingdom of God isn't instituted later, but the kingdom of God was actually instituted on the cross of Jesus. This is what he's referring to, friends. That when he died on the cross, there was something very powerful that happened. The kingdom of God was instituted on earth. That it wasn't about getting people to heaven, but it was about getting heaven into people. And yes, of, of course, when we die on this side of earth, there's, there's more to it. There's something that carries on through it. But don't miss the fact that eternal life doesn't begin when I die. Eternal life begins right now. That Jesus says there's a new normal. There's a kingdom beginning right now that you can begin to walk and live in. Begin to experience more of. And it's a kingdom of life. It's a kingdom that is vastly different than the world that we live in. There are things that are going to have to change about your life. And for me, it's so concerning as a pastor because what being a Christian is has been boiled down to, yeah, I believe some things about a guy named Jesus and I'm going to heaven when I die. And I just want to say, if that's your idea of Christianity, you're missing it. You're missing it. Because Jesus came to institute a kingdom right now. That we can begin to live in light of heaven right now. That, that the kingdom of God should be expanding ever more in our lives. I should be able to experience more of God's presence the longer I follow him. If I have the same relationship with God now that I did when I first began following Jesus, something is wrong there. Because his presence is here right now. And yet for a lot of us, we think of the kingdom as a far off place. And this world is, is a place where we got to get as far away from it as possible. And this world is broken by sin. It's damaged by sin. But the kingdom of God is here. And we can begin to live in light of that kingdom right now, right here. And as a people, we as the church, our, our mission is to expand the kingdom of God. And you say, what's the power of the kingdom of God? Well, Jesus comes and when he comes, he gives us power in three ways. He gives us power over the penalty of sin. See, the thing that keeps us from the kingdom of God is our sin. It keeps us from being able to be in relationship with a holy God. And Jesus comes and he lives the life I could never live. And he's the perfect sacrificial lamb so that I can now come with God in perfect communion. I do not have to worry about my relationship with him. There's, there's a brokenness uh, that happens beforehand that I realize in myself and I repent of my sins. And I say, Jesus, I trust that you are the one who's made me right with God. But there's also more than that because he also gives me power over sin right now. That I can begin to walk with Jesus. I can begin to grow in holiness. I can be, begin to become more like Jesus right now in this world. Because I have the Holy Spirit who's been given to me. And it's the same Holy Spirit, friends, who walked with Jesus through this life. It's the same Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. That Holy Spirit, I'm told, is alive and active in this world right now. And he can be inside of me working in my life. And he gives me the church. He gives me God's people to walk alongside of me to give me power. And then he gives me ultimate hope of the power that is to come. I don't want you to think that I'm saying there's not something else to come in the future because there is. Jesus is going to come back. He's going to establish his kingdom. And it's going to be better than ever. And I have that hope as a Christian. That actually is what inspires me right now. It's what gives me the light at the end of the tunnel to keep going when the world looks like it's falling apart. It's, it's the light at the end of the tunnel that gives me hope when my world feels like it's falling apart. That the power of God is here and it's available to you. And it's not just about a ticket out of hell. Like a lot of people view it as fire insurance, right? I just don't want to burn in hell when I die. Which if that's your idea of what Christianity is, it's a very shallow Christianity. Because I believe you can actually begin to find freedom in your life. I believe you can actually begin to experience the fruit of the Spirit. You can become joyful, peaceful. You can have self-control and sober mind. And for a lot of the world that looks at the Christian church, they're confused. 
Because we have a lot of people who call themselves Christians that look nothing like Christ. I don't know if you guys have ever seen a mean Christian, but they exist. <laughs> if you've ever been to a business meeting, which is like Greek for hell, I think. Uh, you, you've seen some mean Christians probably who argue about things that you're like, what, are we missing the point here? And why is that? It's because to them, Jesus is this far off thing. The kingdom is this far off thing, not something that you can experience and be transformed by. So as we begin uh, this kind of second part of Mark, which is going to trek us all the way up to Easter, uh, I want to today look at the, the three characteristics or the three qualities of what I would call a Christian. These three things have to happen if you're going to be a Christ follower. If you're going to live in the new normal. And uh, they all start with A. I hate when pastors do that, but it just, it, I promise it happened naturally. I've got three A's, uh, which is awareness, uh, acceptance, and allegiance. Awareness, acceptance, and and allegiance. I feel like a real Baptist pastor now that I did that. Uh, I'm really kind of proud of myself. And it really, it happened natural. So I'm going to pray for us and then we're going we're gonna to jump in as we talk about uh, experiencing the power of uh, the kingdom now and on this side of eternity. Father God, we come to you today uh, as people in need of your kingdom of life. Lord, as we uh, turn on the news, we see that we are at war with ourselves As we look inside, we see that there's internal wars inside of us. There are things that we have struggled with for a very long time, and we've found very little freedom. And Lord, it can begin to feel as if we are hopeless. And yet, Lord, I know that it is your kingdom that brings ultimate hope. So today, Lord, I pray that you would, um, as you speak throughout the Gospel of Mark, you would open the eyes and the ears of people, that their spiritual hearts would come alive that they would see you for who you really are, and that they would, they would desire to know you. Lord, it's in your name that I pray. Amen. Amen. So I want to jump in at uh, chapter 8, verse 34. The week before Christmas, you can go back and listen to it. We covered 27 uh, through 33, and it was all about uh, the life of a Christian is actually somebody who puts Jesus at the center of their lives. So For all of us, when we're born, we're at the center of our lives. We decide the values. We decide the people in our lives. We make decisions based upon what makes sense to us. And a Christian fundamentally has made the decision to put Jesus in the center of that, and we're off to the side. We say, Jesus, what do you want for my life? What values do you have? What do you say about my family? What do you say about my job? And with those things, I'm going to live as if you would if you were me. This is fundamentally what it is to be a Christian, to to have God's concerns over human concerns. And then we jump into this in chapter 8, verse 34. Jesus says this. says, calling the crowd with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Here's the, the first thing to becoming a Christian. You have to have an awareness of your need for Jesus. I like how Jesus says, if anyone wants to follow me. Jesus' evangelism strategy is far different than a lot of ours. Uh, in, in the modern church, we try to convince people that Jesus is worthy of being followed. We, we try to change some aspects of our faith to kind of soften some of the parts of it so that people will find it more palatable to follow Jesus. Jesus doesn't do that. This is Jesus' pitch. If anyone wants to follow me, they're going to have to bear their cross and die. Like in, You can't even understand it fully because in our culture, it would be like me standing up here and saying, if you want to join this church, you have to bear your electric chair and come along with me. It's like, I don't want to sign up for that. And yet Jesus knows that the Spirit is working in the hearts of people to give them an awareness 
that it would be better to follow Jesus. There's a desire to follow Jesus because he knows the way to life. And, and this is something I cannot convince any of you of. And I've become more and more convinced of that in myself. That only the Spirit can give you the awareness that you need Jesus. So if the, the three things I told you that the kingdom brings in power don't sound good to you, then you're not going to want to follow Jesus. What does Jesus provide? He provides that we can have our penalty paid for with God. If you believe you're a pretty decent person and you don't have a penalty with God, that's not really good news. What did I say? I said Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit and the church to help us grow in holiness to become more like Jesus. If you don't want to become more like Jesus, you want to become more like your favorite celebrity or more like yourself or more like whatever image you have in your head, then that's not good news. And lastly, I said Jesus gives us the power for a future hope that he's going to come back and make everything good again. And if the idea of what Jesus says is good, which is God's presence everywhere, isn't good news to you, then that's not actually good news. See, you have to desire those things before you could ever actually follow Jesus. It'd be like if I said, hey, I'm going to give you a year's worth of free gasoline and you drove an electric car. You wouldn't really care about my offer of free gasoline because you don't need it. And in the same way, Jesus offers something to us that if we don't desire it, if we don't desire the kingdom of God around us, God's presence ever around us, then we would never want to follow him. Uh, one of my favorite uh, Pastors, He's uh, now with Jesus. His name was Dallas Willard. And he talks about uh, how a lot of people, you know, they, they say, how could a good God send people to hell? And, and he says, he turns it on his head and he said, a good God couldn't send people to a place called heaven. Uh, he couldn't let them into the kingdom of God because in the kingdom of God, God's presence is everywhere. And to kind of illustrate it, he says, how many of you have ever sinned sexually? And everybody in the room raises their hands. You know, we've all sinned sexually. And he says, okay, now how many of you have sinned sexually in front of your mother? Everybody kind of chuckles. And of course, nobody raises their hands uh, because that's just weird. There's just certain things you don't do in front of your mom. Amen? And he says, heaven is like that times 100. The kingdom of God is like that times 100 because you want the presence of God ever around you. God sees everything. So if you love your sin, if you love the things of this world, you will hate having God watch you at all times. But if you love God and you love his presence and you hate sin, then that sounds like great news. I cannot wait until I have no desires of sin in my heart and I have God's presence all around me. Do you have that awareness, friends? Do you have the awareness that you need Jesus, that you can't kind of halfway do it, but you need Jesus in all things? The power that he provides is the power that you need. That's the first thing, which is awareness. Now, the second A I gave you was acceptance, which we're going to find here in verse 35 as we keep reading. Jesus says, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it. What are you talking about, Jesus? Verse 36. For what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his life? Or some translations say lose his soul. What can anyone give in exchange for his life? What do you mean, Jesus, that if, if, I, if I search for my life, I search for my life, then I'll, I'll lose my soul. But if I, if I search for you, I'll actually find my life. If I give up my life for your sake, then I'll actually find life. This is paradox that Jesus gives. And really, I think it, it, it comes down to this. I want to try to explain it in this way, and I hope that it makes sense to you. But there are certain things that you can do that are good for your soul. They're good for the kingdom of God. And there's certain things you can do that will help advance you in this world. 
And what Jesus is saying is you can choose one or the other, but you cannot pursue both at the same time. And what oftentimes people will do with uh, these verses I've seen uh, is it's like, I'm going to give up my rated R movies, which if that's what God calls you to do, that's, that's fine. Do that. But what God's talking, what Jesus is talking about here is something far greater. So I want to give three examples. Uh, an example of buying a car, taking a job with higher pay but less time at home, and then dealing with the brokenness in life. And I want to show you what the world would say is important, what you will gain in the world, because you will gain things, and then what you will lose in your soul. And I want to, I want to show that with Jesus' uh, example as well, the kingdom example. And hopefully this will help uh, things come up in your own life as you begin to think through things. So the first one is buying a car. So the world would say, you've got to buy a car you can't afford so that you look cool. Right, you go. the The salesmen are really good. You got a you got a little bit of money coming in. You go get the Corvette. You can afford the eight hundred dollar a month payment. So you're going to get that. And what you're going to gain in the world is you're going to look better. You're going to impress people. Like it's just cool when you pull up in a cool car. Uh, and then, but unfortunately for you, what you're going to lose in your soul is financial peace and the ability to be generous. It's like it's great when the economy's good, but when a pandemic hits that you can never ever foresee. What happens is, is you have all these payments you don't know what to do with, and you want to be generous. You want to give towards the kingdom works. You want to help feed the hungry in your community. You urge to do that, and yet you can't do it because you've already sold yourself to this car that you have to pay, otherwise it'll be repoed. Jesus' example would say this. Driving an old car, debt-free. The sole loss, or sorry, the sole gain is that you have peace of mind and you have flexibility for kingdom work. I, I'm at peace. I, I drive a Subaru that looks ugly, but I was never worried about my Subaru being taken away during this whole pandemic, even when I wasn't taking a paycheck. You know why? Because it's paid for. And there's a certain peace in that that I had. And I was able to be flexible and continue to give towards the kingdom work. Now, I don't want to just say that it's all great because I lost things in the world. Number one, I look funny. Like, I have less social capital. I, I don't look good pulling up and Sally the Subaru. That's what I named her. Uh, when I honk the horn, it sounds like a Barbie Jeep. And it's got dents in it. It looks awful. But I gain something in my soul. The two go against each other. Here's the second example. Uh, taking a new job with higher pay but less time. This is something I've heard you guys literally talk to me about. Uh, and, and when it comes to a job in the world... We almost always just look at where can I make more money? Like that's literally our, our frame for making a decision. Can I make more money? So you could take a new job and it's an increase in power. You're going up the ladder in the company and you get an increase in money. But it means I'll be at work when my children are home and my church gathers. I can't, I can't integrate into the church that I am right now. I, I can't be a part of the practices that God would have for me. And, and I'm going to miss my children's t-ball games and I'm not going to be at dinner with them. Now, if you do this, you will gain things in the world. You're going to have more money, which is great, power, and prestige. It's a lot cooler to tell somebody you're the vice president than you are the secretary. It's just true. You're going to gain things in the world. But what are you going to lose in your soul? You're going to neglect your soul, and your soul and your family are going to suffer. Your kids are going to think you love your job more than them, and honestly, they're going to have every evidence to see that. And you'll make excuses that you're doing it because you love them, but in reality, you're doing it so you can have more money and more prestige and more power. Jesus' example would be you turn down the new job for the sake of the kingdom. World loss is that you have less money and you're going to miss the chance for growth in your company. But the sole gain, friends, would be that you get to invest in your family and soul and they both flourish and you are flexible for kingdom opportunities. You invest in something that is eternal that lasts beyond you. 
Now, here's the last one. Here's something I see all the time with people. And that is dealing with the brokenness in my life. So the world example would tell you that if you have these really dark secrets, these problems, what you need to do is you need to live a double life. You need to only show people the side of you that you're comfortable showing them. Unfortunately, this happens in a church gathering more than anywhere else. I don't know where we lost our way along the way, but this is the place you come and put on a fake smile. You fight with your spouse all the way to the church gathering, and you come here and you love each other all of a sudden so that you get back in the car and you fight all the way home. And what happens here is you do gain things in the world. Here's what you gain. You gain people thinking you're better than what you are. And there's something cool about that. I'm not going to lie. I've been in the position where, where people thought I was better than what I was. And it's really hard to tell them that you've actually made mistakes too because it's nice being looked upon as a pedestal. right? I, I do have my life together. My marriage is perfect. Everything is going great in the Fowerly household. And it's just like a house of cards behind the scenes. right? Don't look behind the curtain. Everything is awesome here. This reminds me of the Lego movie. Everything is awesome. ADHD. But what do I lose for my soul? I, I'm never going to find freedom. Because we're only as sick as we are uh, as the secrets that we have. Our secrets determine our sickness. The more secrets you have, the more sick you're going to be. My, my soul is going to suffer. I'm not going to find freedom. And I'm never going to feel loved. Because people love me for the mask that they see. They don't actually love Blake Farley. They love that perfect guy. If I take off the mask, I don't know what they would think. So I have this constant thing in my stomach, this constant anxiety of not actually being loved for who I am. And I think I have to portray this image to be loved by the people in my life. So what does Jesus tell us to do? Well, kingdom, I would do this. I would come clean and I would get help regardless of the consequences. I I would choose integrity and trust in Christ over what people thought of me. If I do this, I'm going to loosen things in the world. Some of you might abandon me because you put me on a pedestal and I die. I fell off the pedestal and I'm not the person you thought I was. I might lose some relationships. I'm not going to be looked at as the great guy anymore, the great girl anymore. But what am I going to gain in my soul? I'm going to have peace. I'm going to live a life that is truly and honestly my life. And the people who love me will love me warts and all. What happens in that love is shame is removed and we actually then begin to find the freedom that we so desperately want. We actually then begin to become the person that we pretended to be, which is this amazing dichotomy. Now, I just gave three examples there. And you can do that in all of your life. And you probably already know where you're doing things out of world gain. And Jesus has another way that you should be doing something a little bit different according to his plan and his purposes and his values. And it's going to cost you something in the world. In fact, it's probably the thing that scares you the most right now. Like, I've got to tell somebody about this thing that I'm doing. Or I've got to talk to that person who's really been bothering me. I've got to do something that terrifies me. And yet I know in the depths of my soul, it is the right thing to do. And Jesus would say, you're going to take that way. You're going to empty yourself and value your soul over what the world would say is important. And then he says this really scary line after all this. Verse 38. He says, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation. By the way, I loved how Patricia said that. She leaves you hear her voice go up a little. This adulterous and sinful generation. That was awesome. (laughs) The Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. 
Now, this was presented to me as a child. I really do love my upbringing. I, I feel like I'm ragging on my child today. It, my childhood. It, it was really um, a, a good discipleship for me. Made me who I am. But I, I just remember always as a child, I'd be terrified uh, of this first because people told me like, hey, if you deny Jesus to your friends, he's going to deny you on the day of judgment. And uh, like, I didn't know exactly what that meant. So it was like, if I didn't pray for every meal in school, uh, then I was denying Jesus, uh, which by the way, it's gotten worse now because we have social media. So I see, I see all these posts uh, where people say, share this with 10 friends. And remember, if you deny Jesus before your friends, he will deny you before the holy angels. <laughs> it's like, I don't believe that, but I kind of want to share it, you know? <laughs> like we can get to the pearly gates. You see, you can't come in. You denied me by not sharing that Facebook post in 2020. This verse, though, I, I think is, is pointing more to the fact that you can only have, and this is the last A, uh, I said you got to have uh, awareness that you need Jesus, except that his way is the way of your life. And the last one is you got to have allegiance to Jesus. And that's what it's all about. It's allegiance. I cannot both be on team Jesus and his kingdom and team world. It just it will not work because the values go against one another. Like, like those things I just read to you, they're opposite directions. I'm either going to hide my darkness or I'm going to open my darkness to others. I can't halfway do it. And what I often see is people trying to halfway do it, right? Like it's like, I'm going to kind of give a little bit to the kingdom of God, but, but I'm also going to do what I want to do over here in the world. And, and it's like, no, you, you can't halfway do it because you're going to be stuck in the middle and you get crushed in the middle. It, it, it'd be like... Uh, if, if I wanted to be a dual citizen of the United States and Canada, it'd probably be okay because Canada just does what we do anyways, and so it wouldn't be a problem. But if I wanted to be a dual citizen of the United States and the Chinese Communist Party, it just wouldn't work very long. Like, it just wouldn't. I could maybe do it for a day, but eventually what's going to happen is the values of one kingdom and the values of another kingdom are going to clash. And I'm going to have to decide which kingdom do I go with. And the same is true when we're following Jesus. We're going to have to eventually decide, is my allegiance with Jesus or is my allegiance with the world? Is my allegiance with covering things up and buying things I can't afford or is my allegiance with Jesus and doing what he says and how he says to live? Which life am I going to believe in? Jesus says, if you want to take that route, the route of the world, take it and you'll get all the benefits of the world. But you will not get my benefits at the same time. You take this route, you have my kingdom and what my kingdom offers. My kingdom doesn't offer you the most prestige. It doesn't offer you a life of ease and peace. In fact, uh, sometimes you're going to have to die for my kingdom. In fact, the people he's talking to, all the disciples are, are going to be persecuted in a way we can't even imagine. And yet what do we do is we try to take our little world values and say, Jesus, help us along on the world values. We pray things like, God, make us rich. God, open a door so I can have a better job. God, where were you when you didn't show up and answer the prayer that I wanted? Jesus says, no, it's not how it works. My kingdom goes this way, and you follow me. You follow me even when you don't know where we're going. Or you take the world's path. You get to decide which values you have. Now, I stand up here as a pastor, and it's very easy for me to preach this message. It's not so easy for me to live this message. Uh, so th there are, I think, two allegiances that we have. There's the big allegiance, which some of you need to make. Like that's saying, I'm setting my direction. I'm going to follow Jesus in life. Uh, and th this is actually when we get baptized. When we're baptized, we're not just getting wet. But we're showing our allegiance to everybody. We're submerged in water to show that we're submerged in the Holy Trinity. We're submerged into the kingdom so that we can then go out and live this life for Jesus. There's this, this big allegiance that we show. But then within the life of following Jesus, there's a whole bunch of little allegiances. 
I have to decide a hundred times a day if I'm going to be the Jesus type of person or the Blake type of person. And I fell a lot at those little allegiance decisions. Uh, Taylor and I recently went on a trip uh, a couple weeks ago, and on the way home, we were flying, and uh, I was already kind of mad because they were like, they, they were mad at us for not having our mask over our nose at all times, and they were yelling at us. Uh, and I just found it really ironic because they sold the plane out. So I'm like, if you really cared about this, you wouldn't have put a person right next to me in my seat. But that's neither here nor there. You guys are my therapists today. Uh, <laughs> So I was already a little frustrated, and then this, this punk in front of me, uh, who obviously, you know, his dad bought his trip. Um, I don't know that. I'm sorry if you're watching. There's no way he's watching. Uh, and uh, and he, he did, honestly, like, you know, they have that button on the plane where you can lean your seat back for comfort. I just, I personally think it's wrong to do when you have somebody behind you. I just don't think there's ever really an acceptable time. I think you got to look back and, and kind of make sure nobody's there and then you lean back. You can disagree with me on that. Uh, but this guy, he leaned it all the way back before he was supposed to lean it back. You know, I try to follow the rules on the airplane. Uh, I don't always turn off my phone, but other than that, I follow the, the rules. And, and this guy, he's flying with it all the way. He's all up, you know, in my space. I'm frustrated the whole flight. And then at the end of it, you know, it goes, ding. We are beginning our final descent into Oklahoma City. So please put up your chairs in the upright position and your trays stowed away, whatever they say. You know, and I'm thinking, okay, great, this, this, this guy is going to put his chair up. He didn't put his chair up. And so I did the godly thing, and I began to put my knees into the back of the chair as hard as I could. I was going to help the guy put the chair up. I mean, I'm pushing it up in, the, in as hard as position I can. My knees are, like, hurting because I'm pushing it so hard. Taylor's looking at me like, what are you doing and uh, she said, I'll just ask him for you. I'll just say, can you please put it up? And I said, no, <laughs> I can handle this. And I remembered at that time that I, the mask that I was wearing said, love God and love people. <laughs> so I did the godly thing and I said, I'm sorry, sir. No, I flipped the mask inside out. <laughs> so it's just black and I continued to drive my knees into the back of his seat. Which just illustrates, you cannot be allegiance to both kingdoms. Like, I, I understood the hypocrisy in the moment of driving my knees into the back of this guy with a love God, love people mask on. So I just flipped the mask over. That's kind of a funny example, but we all have examples of that in our lives where we make these little deals, right? Where we try to have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. And Jesus says the way to true life, the way to authentic life, the way to live in the kingdom is to have both feet in my kingdom. To take whatever world loss you'll have. What world loss would have I had? That guy wouldn't have known that I was mad at him. And evidently that was a cost I wasn't willing to pay on that day. What would I gain? The peace of following Jesus. Friends, I want you to know the peace of following Jesus. And as we enter into this kingdom that's not far off, we enter into it here. We begin to experience the presence of Jesus. And there's something so powerful that happens in our lives when we do that. So if you would, bow your heads, close your eyes. I want to pray for you. Molly, you can go ahead and come up. I'm going to give you a moment here in just a second to ask God what he's saying to you. Father, I thank you for every individual here. It's not an accident that any of them uh, have decided to come. Lord, I pray that for some of them, there's an awareness that they need Jesus. It's not just a fire insurance for when they die. It's not a place they can just go, but it's, 
It's a kingdom that is here and active and they can begin to enter into it. I pray that they would make that big allegiance decision today. They would decide to follow Jesus with, with all that they are and all that they have and they would take the next steps in that journey. Lord, and I pray for those of us who are our Christ followers. We've already made the allegiance to follow you, but we still struggle with the little allegiances. We struggle with being honest and open. We struggle with not pursuing the world's gains, but pursuing your gains. Lord, I pray that you would show us, those of us who are Christians, those areas in which we are compromising, those areas in which we are hiding or protecting for our own sake instead of being open and honest and trusting you and trusting your kingdom. And friends, right now, if you would just take about 20 seconds with your eyes closed, head bowed, and ask the Holy Spirit, say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? Father, I pray that you'd give each of us the courage to obey. Lord, as you speak and you lead us, oftentimes we know what to do. It's just really scary. I pray that you'd give us the courage just to take the next step. Just let us know that you are trustworthy. And then as we take that step, God, you are there with us every step of the way. Lord, it's in your name I pray. Amen. You should have a a connect card around you. I want you guys to use this. I've gotten really bad at sharing about this, but this really is my lifeline between us. And it gives you a little uh, anonymous uh, to be able to fill out these things and uh, not have to say it right to my face. And I know that's sometimes easier. And on this card, there's a place for prayer requests and comments. If you have something you want me to pray for, I'd love to do that. And if you have something that you want help with, you can just write it in the comments and and I'll, I'll be glad to help you no matter how shameful or whatever it might be in your life. Uh, if you need help financially, we're a church family. We want to help you in those ways. So just let us know whatever prayer requests, needs you might have that we could be able to fulfill. And then also on there, there are a couple options. If you're new to Ascent, you can put it in there. Uh, I want to become a member of Ascent. And then finally, I've decided to follow Jesus and be baptized, which is if today you feel God saying, you know, honestly, for you, it's just been a belief statement. But I want you to enter into a way of life of following Jesus today. I would pray that you would just check that off and I'll get with you about the next steps Uh, and we can begin to to make progress in what it looks like to actually live and walk in the kingdom of God. But right now, if you would, go ahead and stand. You can drop these off in the back with your giving as you leave. Uh, But first, we're going to sing and praise to this holy God. Thanks for tuning in to the Ascent Church podcast. You can check in with us on social media at My Ascent Church. New episodes each week. Thanks. Thanks.